Here we go. You know, I, I think about this often, uh, actually, most every week that I get to stand up here. There's, there's thousands, literally thousands of reasons why I have no business standing up uh, here today and getting to share what I get to share with you, and that really happens every week. And, there, and there's really only one, week, only one reason I'm here, and it's because of the resurrection. You see, I, I believe with all of my heart that we have been created by a loving God, and we were given life. And then, because of my rebellion and my sin, I was separated from the love of God, and I could do absolutely nothing to make that right, because God is perfect, and I am not. And once I sinned, I had condemned myself to death, because God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all, and I could not earn my way back, because what was done was done, and the consequences were set in motion at that point in time. But then Jesus stood in my place on the cross and he bore the weight of my sin and he paid the price of redemption that now allows me to have a restored relationship with the God who loves me and who made me and who wants me to know him. And that's why when we come together on Easter, we get to celebrate the fact that Jesus has given us the opportunity to find life. You see, the resurrection is the single most important event in history, period. There's nothing else that's happened in history that's more important. That there's nothing else that's happened that we have to put our minds around or have an answer for more than anything else. It's the resurrection. You see, because without the resurrection, Jesus is just some good guy who taught good things, and then he was wrongfully executed by people who were protecting their religious and their political system. And so, you know, that's a good blip in the history books, and that's what we know. But because of the resurrection, we now come face to face with having to answer a question, and the question is this, who is Jesus? And why does it matter to me what he did and what he said? The resurrection caused all that. If it had just been on the cross and he died and was buried and he's still there in the tomb, then he's just another list of names who got executed. But because he's risen, we now have to wrestle with what do we do with that? In Matthew chapter 28, we read this, that after the Sabbath... As the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. Why did they go to view the tomb? Because that's where they thought Jesus was. Because they had seen him crucified on the cross. They had watched him die, and they knew where he was buried. Verse 2 tells us there was a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. The guards were so shaken by fear of him that they became like dead men. And the angel told the women, Do not be afraid, because I know you're looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He's not here. For he is risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. 
Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he's risen from the dead and indeed is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Listen, I have told you. So departing quickly from the tomb, and I love this, with fear and great joy, because that's not something you see every day. They ran to tell his disciples the news. Just then, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. They came up, took hold of his feet, and worshiped him. Then Jesus told them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. That is the key moment in all of history. Period. It's at that moment that the hopelessness that these ladies were walking to the tomb with turned to hope. That's the the moment that being alone turned to being known by Jesus. That's the moment. And we need to come to grips with what am I supposed to do with that? And here's what I want to tell you this morning. I've, I've grown up in church. I'll admit that. Been around church all my life. I've seen a lot of people interact with Jesus and live faith, and it's looked, it's looked different in a lot of ways for a lot of people. And here's one of the things that has stood out to me. Unfortunately, there are many people who live like faith in Jesus only matters when I'm dead. You ever recognize that? I just, I come in contact with people all the time that they live like a faith and a belief in Jesus is only significant when I'm dead. But the truth is, what we see here is that Jesus is providing the path to life. So Jesus provides me a path to life. And I would just say to you this morning, if all you know about Jesus is the cross, then I want to invite you to know him for life. You know, if, if we live in a way that just says, well, I punched my ticket to heaven, and now I just have to make it through life here on earth, you're going to miss out on a ton of things that God has prepared for you. Because Jesus wants us to have life. He says it very clearly. One of my life verses is John 10.10, and it says it really clearly like this. A thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come, this is Jesus speaking, I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. You catch that, right? That Jesus came so that we can have life and have it in abundance. So there's something that Jesus wants us to have at times that we may or may not be taking full advantage of as we profess to have a faith in him. You see, another thing that this verse tells us is that the enemy is done. The enemy knows he has lost. That morning when Jesus walked out of the tomb, it was done. It was finished. The battle's over. And so the enemy knows that he's lost. So all he does now is try to steal and kill and to destroy you see, Satan was an angel, and, and, and he wanted to be like God. And because of that, he was cast out of heaven. And now he works to convince you and me that we can be like God and that we can do without God. And most of the time that he spends trying to convince us of one or, one or two things. One, he, he, he spends time convincing you that things in your life are good enough. This is good enough. And, and if you start trying to follow Jesus, you, you, man, you might mess some of this stuff up that you got going. 
I mean, think about how good your life's going right now. You really wouldn't want to, you know, give all that away and give that to God and find something else. Just, just kind of hang out right here. This is good enough. Or, or sometimes he convinces us that, you know, God really doesn't understand what you're going through. God doesn't know what he's talking about. And you just need to do things your way because you've got this. But yet Jesus tells us something totally different. In John 14, 6, Jesus speaking about himself again says, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life, and no man gets to the Father except through me. See, Jesus is the way. He's the navigator. He's the one that can lead you through every situation that this life has to offer. Everything that this life is going to throw your way, ups and downs, highs and lows, Jesus knows how to navigate these things. Now, God's way of doing things is going to lead you to life. Abundant life, that's what God's word says. But I'll tell you this, it's going to be life like you've never experienced, which is going to be life that's different than what you think needs to happen. Now, just let that sink in for a minute. Wouldn't it make sense that if God's going to lead me to abundant life, then it's probably going to look different, even if my life is going really good right now, but Jesus is telling me there's more, it's probably going to look a little bit different than what I'm experiencing right now. You think about this. We've been raised, if you've been raised in the U.S., we've been raised in a culture that praises and lifts up the self-made person, right? Even though that we all know that there's not a single person that has become anything by themselves. We, we, we celebrate somebody who pulls themselves up by the bootstraps and makes their way out of something and, and ends up being a success when they were headed down a different path. But we all know if you look deep into those stories, they didn't do it alone. There was some people helping them along the way. There's something that happened along the way. And so we understand that God's way of doing things is going to lead us to life like we've never experienced. And we're going to have to admit that, okay, I can't do this on my own. And that's hard for us because everything that we've been raised in the culture is telling us, man, that's when life's at its best, but it's not. And so when Jesus says he's the way, not only is he the way, he's the truth. You see, we only see part of the picture But God sees the whole thing. I mean, just think about that. Wouldn't you want a God that sees more than you do? If God can't see more about this life than I can, then I don't really need him, do I? So I believe that God sees a bigger picture about things than I do. And that he sees the truth. You see, we're created in his image and we're, we're here to do the good things that he has prepared in advance for us to do. And if I want to know the true life that God has for me, then I have to be willing to follow his way. Jesus is the way, and he's the truth, and he's the life. If I follow his way, I discover the truth, and I find life. True life that he has for you happens only when you're willing to follow him. We said this Friday in our Good Friday service, it's worth repeating again. I want you to just think about this. There's, there's two realities that you face right now. There's the reality that only you can see. The reality that you can touch and feel is tangible and what's going on in your mind and how you're processing every situation that's happening in your life and every circumstance that's happening in your life. And then there's the reality that God can see. And the only way that you're ever going to discover the reality that God has for you 
is when you're willing to lay down your way of seeing things and begin to follow Jesus' way. And then when you begin to follow his way, he reveals truth to you and he leads you on the path to life. You only see that when you acknowledge that Jesus is the truth and you follow him. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And I think that begs a question for all of us, what life am I living? (laughs) What life am I living? What's the point of this? Why am I here? What am I trying to make happen? Where is this going? What's going on with this? And I want, you to, I want you to hear me on this. Do I believe Jesus or do I follow Jesus? Because those truly are two different things that give two different results. Because believing in Jesus can lead to following Jesus. Because you're certainly not going to follow someone you don't believe in. But sometimes... People live in such a way that they believe in Jesus, but they follow themselves. And they just kind of keep Jesus as a backup plan or as an insurance policy. And they don't really discover the life that he has for him, that when he walked out of that grave and he overcame sin and death, and he stands before us and says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and that you can have abundant life when you follow me. And we go, man, that's good, but I've got some stuff I'm working on here. And we miss out on what he might have for us. You understand that Proverbs teaches us about this way of thinking. It says this, Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that seems right to a person. This is group, group participation. You ready? But its end is the way to what? Its end is the way to death. So what Scripture teaches us is that we can do things our own way. And we can follow this path and we can get all the way to the end of this path and it's going to lead us to death. But what does Jesus say? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. What does Jesus say is that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came so they can have life and have it more abundantly. It bothers me that people live in such a way that Jesus is only relevant to them when they're dead. He came so that we can have life. And so that's why when we read the words, John 3, 16, for God loved the world in this way, he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Listen to this next part. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. You understand that, right? God is not waiting up in heaven to just point out all of your faults and mistakes, to just slap your hand when you get out of line. God has already dealt with my transgressions through the resurrection. That's why we can celebrate today. Jesus came to save us, to redeem us, to make things right in our life, and to show us the way to life that is better than what this world can offer. And so often we miss out on that. Because we simply settle for what we have and we miss out on the greatest life because we think we already have what's good enough. Jesus wants you to live life at its fullest and he wants you to have it now. You get that, right? Romans 6.23 puts it this way. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, it's a gift. God gives us life. 
And that life that he gives us is a gift. You either accept it or you ignore it. And if you accept it, you either do something with it or you don't. And that's the truth about it. And I've said it earlier, it's unfortunate that many people live like this gift he's given us only matters when I'm dead. Can I ask you a question? What gift in your life have you ever received that is going to be useful when you are dead? And if you're sarcastic like me and you want to yell life insurance at me, you don't get to use that. Somebody else does. You've not received one gift in this life that you're going, I'm going to save that till I'm dead. That's awesome. Every gift that you've received, you're going to use it now. And the same is true with the gift of life that Jesus Christ is offering. There's not one time in my life that I've even given someone a gift or half a gift. Hey, have some part of this now. And then when you're dead, you can have the rest of it. They would go, that really doesn't make any sense. And it makes no sense for us to think about God's gift like that as well. The eternal life that Jesus offers begins the moment that we take him at his word and we follow him. And that life starts now and then it continues through eternity. Don't Settle for the best this world has to offer because it's far less than what God has for you. And he proved it when he walked out of the grave. Because he took on the worst that this life can throw at him. Crucifixion, persecution, pain, suffering, death. And three days later, is that all you got? Because I'm walking out of this grave. And I'm turning hopelessness into hope. And I'm turning death into life. And I'm offering for anyone who will take me up on it the path to life. And it comes when you choose to follow me and not settle for good enough that you can do in this world. You, you, you get where I'm going, I hope, this morning? Because I don't think we have a problem in our culture of people doing evil and bad things versus what God wants them to do. I think that the way that the enemy has worked on us is told us all that this life is good enough and we're missing out on the great things that God has for us because we're settling for second, third, fourth, and fifth best. And we're not taking Jesus at his word and going, I'm all in on this life that you have to offer me because there's something somewhere in our life that's holding us back from that. So let me ask you a question. And a question that I want you to answer with your soul. Not with your mouth, not with your brain, not with your eyes or ears or anything. I want you to answer this question deep down in your soul. The part of your heart that nobody knows about but you and God. Answer this question. Is something missing? something missing. Do you look at life and even when things seem to be in a good season, there's something deep down inside that tells you this isn't it. This isn't everything. I want to start drawing us to a close today by bringing you into a conversation that Jesus had with a man that was wrestling with that question. We find it in Matthew chapter 19. And what we know about this man is that he was rich and he was young and that he was a ruler. So he had a lot of stuff. 
He had life in front of him, and he had a position of authority. And we, we see him coming to Jesus in verse 16 of Matthew chapter 19. He says, teacher, what good must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus says, why do you ask me about what's good? He said to him, there's only one who's good. If you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he asked them. Isn't that, isn't that just a great question? Because aren't we always looking for, like, well, how many of those do I have to do, God? I mean, like all of them? I mean, because wouldn't you just assume that if Jesus said keep the commandments that it would be all of them? But no, he's bold enough to go, well, how many of them do I have to have just to skate by here? And so Jesus answers him, okay, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. The man goes, hey, I've kept all these. But notice that he had already answered this question with his soul. Because if I go to Jesus and I say, what do I have to do to have eternal life? And he says, keep the commandments. And I say, which ones? And he gives me the list and I go, I'm good. I'm going, I'm good. But there was something inside of him that let him realize that, no, there's, there's something that's still not satisfying deep in my soul. I'm missing out on this life that you keep talking about because everything that I have here, though I'm rich, though I've got my life in front of me, though I have a position of authority, it's just not there so what do I still lack? What a question. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go sell your belongings and give to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven and then come follow me. When the man heard that, he went away grieving because he had many possessions. He comes to Jesus and says, I want to have life. I want to follow you. I want to tell me what I need to do to have eternal life. And Jesus tells him and he goes, that's good enough. I'm just going to stay right here. I wish that wasn't the testimony of thousands of people that I talk with. Because they're missing out on what God has for them. And I pray today that's not your testimony. Jesus looked at this man and said, I will give you everything if you will give up what you have. But so many times we see the things that this world has to offer or the stuff that's just right in front of us and we just settle for less. So this rich young ruler ultimately believed that what Jesus was really trying to do was to keep something from him rather than lead him to life at its fullest. And so he chose to hold on to what he had. You realize we all have that dilemma today? That we either believe that our way is going to lead us to the best life or that God's way will. And our actions answer the question, not our mouth. And so we need to understand that the resurrection changed everything. And because the resurrection changed everything, we have to answer the question of what we're going to do with this. You know, Jesus answered some other questions as well. When he, in Matthew chapter 6, said these words, don't worry, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek out all these things. And your heavenly Father, he knows that you need them. 
But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. We have to trust him. But then I love verse 34. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. What Jesus is saying is... We get so focused on one day I'm going to die and go to heaven, but many people are asking, I don't know how I'm going to get through this afternoon. Jesus has the answer for that. Jesus cares about your today just as much as he cares about your eternity. And so Jesus can change my today, Jesus can change my tomorrow, and Jesus can change my eternity if I will let him. That's why he walked out of that grave. It changes everything. Would you bow your heads with me?